Welcome to Is This Love podcast brought to you by your relationship specialist and neuropsychotherapist, Joe Wilson of the Confidant Counseling. Great relationships make us healthier, happier, and can even extend your life. Enjoy my strategies to navigating love along with other experts in my field on this podcast. You can find all my weekly newspaper column articles at theconfidantcounseling.com. Welcome to Is This Love podcast and I have had the most wonderful month attempting to be a bloke in a relationship with a woman. So uh, blokes have emailed or commented on my social media about the things that they find quite tricky in a relationship and so I have endeavoured to uh, confront many of these issues and attended to them in my weekly column in the Sunshine Coast Daily Weekend magazine. If you want to review those, you can find them on the confidantcounseling.com blog and you'll find all of these amazing array of things such as why do women always take the worst of what men are trying to say why do we ask blokes decorating questions when they only see in shades of color why do women talk so much and today the hot topic of the month as we wrap up this series i've had to call in a few experts here because it is beyond my expertise I can't wait to bring onto the show soon uh, Pauline Ryland, and she's a local Sunshine Coast practitioner. Love supporting my locals here that um, are able to help me with these interesting topics. She's an intimacy whisperer and works as an intimacy sex and relationship coach and educator. She's certified as a somatic sexological body worker tantra teacher and facilitator and a master trainer and practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. The list goes on, but she does work as a transformational coach and leader. She works with individuals and couples around challenges they may be experiencing with intimacy, sex, relationships and everything in between. My goodness. So in my article this uh, week, I did talk to a few things of what I have unveiled about blokes and The question was, why do women not seem to have as high a libido or be interested in sex as much as blokes do? Now, before we go on, we have to highlight that we are talking stereotypes just at this point. And before we talk to Pauline, she's going to give me her perspective on that. But here's what I unveiled. Men's body chemistry, including that well-known testosterone surging through his body, results in his desire starting there. A woman's passion is more likely ignited in her mind by contented feelings of connection, adoration and positive memories. So men crave sex like chocolate. It's a hunger to be fulfilled. And the energy derived from sexual pleasure can be a tantalizing reward for working, monotony, and protecting his family. Turning on his partner is reported to be the most satisfying in their pursuit to make it a mutually pleasurable experience as many fantasize on seeking to improve on satisfying their woman. And it's not just getting his rocks off, but a deep emotional connection that creates attunement and attachment. And as one wonderful sex therapist Laurie Watson of Psychology Today said it spurs relational generosity, faith and optimism. So when he feels desired by his partner, it creates a sense of reassurance and commitment. 
So once again, it's not um, all of the blokes who do have a high libido. And as Pauline will point out, just a little alert here, if you do have children in the car or do become offended by words such as vagina, penis or orgasm, you might want to switch off here. The audio does improve with the interview, so if Pauline's a little bit lighter to hear, um, you will be uh, able to turn up the volume and uh, it will improve as the podcast continues. So thanks for listening and here she is. So welcome, Pauline, and thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, so excited. It's such a hot topic, pardon the pun, and it does come up a lot. It's an integral part of my relationship therapy, but I do highlight that I'm not the expert when it comes to challenges, um, particularly when it comes around uh, sexual intimacy. So I've got a couple of questions uh, I'd love to put to you. So I just wanted to know from your experience, how much is the stereotype true that men have a higher libido than women? Hmm. Yeah, okay. So um, I think, you know, if you break it down, men will probably be thinking about sex probably several times a day uh, would be the standard stereotype. Uh, women not so much. And women, are, I guess, have the ability of compartmentalising a little bit more. Um, so it's probably not always as predominant. This is just the average person. Um, and then, of course, that can change with the clientele that I'm seeing as well. Actually, that's so true because I have had to realise during this series that we just can't stereotype um, blokes. And that's why I just wanted to know, yeah, do you think that is there a percentage of the statistics around this that, you know, 80% of guys have a high libido or what are your thoughts on that? Um, look, I don't have any specific stats and sometimes I question where stats come from anyway. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you know, so that could be a bias in itself. You know, I'll, I'll just go based on who I see as my clients and what I'm working with, with them around. Yes. Predominantly, I would say I'm working with women around lost libido and not interested in sex and just sort of flatlined in that department. Yeah. Men, when, when we're talking about loss of libido for men, it's usually um, associated with some form of um, erectile function or of not, something not working. And right. that they will determine it as the loss of libido. Um, so it's quite comes from quite different aspects of where that loss of libido goes. Actually, that's a, one of my questions. Um, I was also going to ask you is that many people do experience a lower libido due to medications, uh, particularly the ones that I hear about are because of antidepressants. And how do you approach that? Yeah, well, that's true. It, it, you know, medications do get in the way. Um, but the way I get around that is, I will say. 90% of people um, don't know their full arousal system and how it works and how it functions. Uh, we, we muddle along and get by and we have so much more potential within ourselves to experiencing more in our sexual um, intimacy. We also, on a subconscious level, we shut it down. Right. Like, yeah, which is crazy, but that's what we do. Um, because it's like, you know, if you've got a woman and she'll have an orgasm and she'll go, okay, like I'm done, I'm complete. And I'm like, well, what, happened if you, what would happen if you kept going? Like maybe you'd have another one. And so mm. that's to sort of put, we tend to put lids on things. And so what I do is I teach people how to connect to themselves physically to awaken themselves more physically um, through um, hands-on touch 
and then to also awaken their sexual energy. And so when we start working with, with those two main key areas, it can often, not always, um, ride over what's happening with the medications and things that are going on. Wow, so I'm hearing awaken and unleash the power within that we almost don't realise that we have. Would that be right? Pretty much, yes. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And my next question is about when women have a higher libido than their man, do you think they suffer more due to the social expectations? I'm thinking of the great Aussie barbecue, the guys all stand around when they complain they don't get enough and the women roll their eyes. But too often in the counselling room from my experience is that it's actually not the case in the bedroom. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I actually don't think guys talk about that sort of stuff that often. I think we like to think they do, but they don't. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just I've been watching too many movies. Yeah, but, but women definitely do talk more about that side of things because women, that's what we are, we're social creatures and we, we will talk about sex with our girlfriends and, and uh, go into details, um, whereas men don't tend to, to do that as much. I think, you know, what can happen if you, you know, if you've got a woman that's um, highly sexual or um, is quite open in her sexual experience and her orgasmic experience, and if she meets a man that's not used to that, it can go either way. They can be like, oh my God, this is amazing. Or they can be like a bit freaked out about it too. As in intimidated. Yeah, and so it's really up to the woman as to how she handles that situation. And if she's comfortable in who she is and if she expresses herself sexually and has no problem with it, then maybe that person's just not for them because they can't handle it. Mm. That's probably more the norm. And so what I'm teaching women is to, to become empowered in their sexuality and, and, and orgasmic experience and to own it. I love that. Yeah. I do hear uh, the amount of rejection, um, I guess, more so from men. Do you think that's what it gets down to with the whole libido thing, that both women and men feel just they go straight to that feeling of rejection when um, they feel their partner isn't as interested in them sexually as they would have hoped? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm just working with a new couple at the moment. Um, so when I work with couples, I'll see them together and then I'll coach them independently because it's like whatever her problems are, her problems, whatever his are his, and we sort of sort that out and tidy that up and then things start to shift on another level and then they, we can come together. Um, and so, you know, this one woman's libido has been switched off for a really long time and, you know, and he's... I had a session with him yesterday and he's going through all the rejection. He doesn't want to make a move because he got sick of being rejected, but he's also experiencing erectile problems. And part of that was because she'd, be, you know, she'd experience orgasm and she'd reach, reach her point, but then she was like, I'm done. And she'd be like, well, hurry up, are you still going? And he's like, oh, okay. You know, and so that was another mm. rejection that, that's now impacted him on function as well. So, um, yeah, I do see that a bit. Yeah, that makes sense that ED is a result of the rejection. So it's a lot more emotional for a man that maybe we think. Um, look, I, I believe it's a combination. Um, when I'm working with that, I'm always working on the physical aspect um, of what's going on there as well as the emotional. It's not just one or the other. They all go hand in hand. In fact, I've got a few GPs now that are referring men to me that have premature ejaculation because they're actually recognising that it's... Um, 
what's going on in the headspace as well. And it is a combination, you know, there's different things you need to teach somebody that's experiencing that. But it definitely has both both aspects. It's not just, I rarely would, would work with a man that had erectile challenges of some sort and just work on the physical. I would always be getting in what's going on in the headspace as well because it's a combination that works together. Right, yes. And I guess this leads into my next uh, inquiry is how can you normalise our listeners with this question I'm sure you get so often, what are the most common challenges people come to seek your expertise? Okay, so libido is one of them. I'll, I'll call myself a libido expert. Okay, we need you in, the, in this world. <laughs> my area of total expertise uh, for both men and women. Um, so for women, it would be women that have completely lost their libido or have no desire or have not experienced an orgasm or have only experienced an orgasm occasionally. So that's the areas that I work in. And yeah. I look at the woman can experience an orgasm sometimes, but not all the time, from what's happening in the all the time period that she's not. There's disconnection going on. So it's about looking back at about what that disconnection is about so she has to have it for um, yeah. with men around erectile function, so you know, not not um, maintaining erection, not being able to get an erection um, in the ejaculation, which is much more complex. Um, and I also work with um, men that have enlarged prostates, um, that have Peyronie's disease. I'm seeing such a big amount of uh, surge of men having uh, Peyronie's. Can you tell me what that is? Yeah, Peyronie's is when the penis bends. And there's not a really known reason as to why this happens. Um, urologists don't really, from what I understand, don't have a real answer as to why. Um, they say it can be because the penis is being knocked quite hard. Um, but in a lot of instances with the men that I work with, that's not actually the case. Mm. There's adhesions that start to form in the penis and those adhesions create this bend. And so from this bend, other complications can happen is that because it's bent, it's not going to be able to be inserted into the vagina. Um, it could also um, have guys experiencing pain as well. So the urologist's uh, solution is to do surgery um, oh. and remove that bend. And so, you know, what man wants to have their penis made shorter? None. But some men that get so desperate and they don't have any other options, that's what they do. Um, mm. I'm currently working with a man that's had two surgeries um, and hasn't had sex with his wife for 10 years. They're only mid-40s um, and they're both really suffering on every level. Mm. Working, um, what I do is I work and break down those adhesions and he's now not experiencing pain. Oh, poor guy. Wow. Yeah, there's so much that we don't know about that's not talked about, hence it's excellent to be able to get some insight from you. So there's progress being made and he can actually see that there's some potential, you know, but now he's, we've also got to work on him getting function back as well. So there's a lot that we've got to work with. So I, I do a lot of work in that area. And also with women as well that experience pain when they have sex. So many women experience pain and they put up with it. Um, and then also then that can impact on libido because if you're going to experience pain, then you're, going to want to, you're not going to want to have sex and you switch off. So I actually have mm. pain for women as well through a similar process with what I work with men with payronies through a mapping process. And it's one of those unknowns. You don't know how many sessions, but basically uh, I work with organic cholesterol and we do mapping, internal mapping. 
and um, it can be anywhere from two to four to six sessions that, that, that they will be pain free. So that's a pretty big one, but there's a lot of people that know about that. Mm. Yeah, I certainly didn't know that there was such a prevalence um, with that one either. And I have two more questions. Um, what do you do to keep the intimacy alive? If you're just that regular couple, you've been married for 10 plus years, um, people come and ask me that and I'm like, okay, well, we need to speak to the experts. What do you suggest? It's a very general question, I know. Yeah, look, um I do see that from time to time with couples, like even some of the couples I'm working with at the moment that have got their problems, I can still see that they're very connected and that they're, they're you know, totally love each other. And it's just about, we've just got to start doing these things and bring them back into some connecting. So it's, it's really about teaching them new ways to connect um, and create deeper intimacy. Um, and that's when I bring a bit of the tantra sort of side of things in, into the um, session. Uh, and there's a whole lot of different exercises and activities that we can do around that area that can actually really deepen the intimacy and just take, start taking them to that next level so yeah. that it's about, you know, sustainability of a relationship. Well, if they've been together for 20 years and they've, they've done okay but they've sort of plateaued, well, let's, let's bring in the next 20-plus years to be really amazing. And what, what I teach through the tantric stuff is how to take it to that next level. And not on an intimate level, on a physical level, a sexual level, on, on all sort of aspects. And a big part of that is about being connected to yourself and being grounded and present and then connecting with your partner from that space. Mm. And I guess it's quite confrontational, even for people to seek um, people like myself out for relationship or marriage therapy, let alone see a sex therapist. What could you say to people to help um, normalise them or just not be so scared about approaching a sex therapist? Yeah, I think it's um, a really brave thing and it blows me away how from the very first phone conversation I'm getting everything practically shared to me um, and they don't know me. And I think it's just, A, that they've decided to, that things can't continue the way they are and there needs to be some change. And they find me and go, oh, maybe you're the person that, that can help with that change. And I think people just tend to find it easy to talk to me once they find me. Mm. Having that awareness, you know, you can, we can turn a blind eye to so many things um, in our relationship, in our lives in general. Um, it's like that, that whole thing of having that, that elephant in the room. You know, there's a problem there, but it's not being talked about. Mm, and so many things do get ignored and people do live substandard lives uh, when they could be, uh, you know, awakening and unleashing this passion in the relationship. It makes me, yeah, so excited about the potential for many couples. Yeah, that's it. And so I think it's, it's like one couple that I'm working with, I just did Sexpo and they walked along and they stopped at my stand because I've got a million signs up going, is this going on for you? Is this going on? What's happening here? Right. Um, and they're just standing there reading my signs and they looked at each other and went, oh, my God, we need to talk to her. because <laughs> We're all of these things. <laughs> Pretty much. And they sort of said, we didn't know somebody like you existed. So mm. the thing it's about the more I get out there, the more I do, you know, podcasts like this, the more I do my own thing, people are getting to know me more and more and people are finding me through Google and, and having the awareness that 
to be someone that you can talk to that can give you the results that, that you're looking for. Yeah, good point, Pauline. So it's nothing more than I love is to support my fellow Sunshine Coast practitioners. Where can people find you? Um, they can find me on my website, Pauline Ryland, which is R-Y-E-L-A-N-D.com. They can't get the spelling right. Intimacy Whisperer will take them to the same place. Um, and I also have a Facebook page, Intimacy Whisperer, but they can just come through my website. They can either give me a ring or send an inquiry through and then I'll, I'll come back to them with a, with a you know, free 15-minute chat about what's going on. And, and then basically, if I think that it's something that I can help them with, then I would book them in for a, what I call a, a one-hour strategy session. And in that session, which is a paid session, I sort of you know, break down whatever we've chatted to on the phone about in a whole lot more depth because, you know, they might be presenting with, oh, I've got no libido um, and blah, blah, this is what's happened and why or what, what they think. But there's always a million things below the surface as to what's bringing that about. So it's about getting to the core issues that are creating that experience for them to clear those things so that then they can move forward. Well, I think even that, uh, the way you approach it would downregulate my fear response, I must say. So it's more about that, just discussing what the challenges are and a lot of information gathering in that first session. It's not really hands-on as such. Would that be right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, totally. It's just information gathering. And then from that, I can determine, okay, we need to do X amount of coaching sessions. If I've got like one lady I'm working with at the moment, um, I'm doing libido coaching with her, but she also experiences pain. So it's like, okay, we need to do some mapping. So we need to play out a few sessions on the table as well for that. Um, mm. Unknown number because we don't know how that will play out. Um, so yeah, I can sort of accommodate and work out, well, that's what we need to do. Yeah. Um, when I'm doing libido coaching for men and women, women need longer. They need more sessions. Why is that? Um, I think because there's a much more emotion tied up with it and for men it's more about physical function, generally speaking. So if they're fit and healthy, then we can usually turn things around pretty quickly and I'm still working with mindset as well. But I always sort of say, look, you know, we might need another one or two sessions, but let's just base it on three. Uh, if I can see that there's no major emotion um, issues going on. Yes, it sounds like you really don't know when you start. It's not like a 10-session package. It's like my work. Um, it's really such an individual process. And, yeah, you cannot put a number of sessions. It could be, you know, one or two for me. And then for sometimes it goes on for years. So, yeah. yeah. I think for me more I can, actually. I usually can knock it out in about five sessions for women. Right. And I always say, you know, at the end of the five sessions, they might not be quite where they would like to be, but they've got all the tools. To start practicing. <laughs> yeah, and they, to keep going because, you know, we've got to create somatic changes in the physical body and the cellular memory of our body and being. And so the more that we practice and the more that we breathe that into our system, the more it creates that change and it creates a change of how the brain connects to the genitals, how, how which is wrapped up in, into one little neat package. So because I always say, you know, you still need to do all these practices, everything I've given you for at least three months. Yeah. Well, what an honour. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've learned so much from this conversation. <laughs> I could talk to you all day. So it sounds like Pauline is your lady to talk to, folks, where if you are challenged in this area, uh, sounds like she's all over it. And if she's uh, not, she knows who to contact. So make uh, touch with her. And uh, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much, Joe, for having me on. It's been awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.
you for your continued support of Is This Love podcast and for your five-star reviews if you find this content helpful. You can find more of these each week and download my articles from the confidantcounseling.com blog and there's also a Spouse It Up worksheet from the front page of the website to support you and your relationships. Till next time.